Welcome to the REI Mastermind Network, where host Jack Haas gathers amazing stories from leaders in real estate investing. In each episode, our guests will tell you what they're doing that works, what they've tried that failed, and best of all, you'll learn actionable steps to take your real estate investing to the next level. Now, here's Jack with another value-packed episode. We have Agostino Pintus with me, and you can learn more about him and his team at bulletproofcashflow.com. We're going to dive into a few things with Agostino here today. Let's start things off, Agostino, with you said just a few years ago, what was it, five years ago, you were even sleeping on a mattress on the floor somewhere. Yeah, And now you've built up to a $350 million portfolio, but you're, you still say that's not enough. That's so. not enough. It's embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> you well, said, it's terrible. And I mentioned <laughs> that a lot of people that are listening are going to say that $350 million is like their moonshot. But can you explain briefly why you find that embarrassing? Yeah, it's, it's funny. It's, it's also about, it's about context, right? I remember when I did my first deal, I was just over a million dollars and I was scared to death. And now I won't even look at deals for a million dollars anymore. Unless it's in that lease deal. That's the only, it's the only thing we, that we really look at. That's about that, that because of where the fund is today, the, the intent has now shifted, right? The intent of what we're trying to do is, has shifted. And in order to get the reach that we really want to help people eventually. Like really, I really want to help people. You have to have a lot more money to do it. And $350 million seems like a lot of money and it is a lot of money, right? It's not, it's just not enough. It's not enough. You have to have more, right? Number one, number two, part of it is also leaving a legacy for my kids, for my children. I have one, their kids, right? The thing is that as sad as it sounds, about five minutes after you're put underground, people start forgetting about you, right? And it's sad to me. So one of the best ways to really at least try to get two generations out of it is to build something so big and so massive that you'll always be remembered, at least, right? I'll give you an example. We bought the Rockefeller building in downtown Cleveland. It's right outside my window. I can see it outside my window here. So John D. Rockefeller built that building before he moved to New York and built the Rockefeller Center. There was this building right here. So my partner and I bought this deal and uh, we syndicated it, put it together. And I'll tell you what, forever from now on, my name will be associated with that deal. It's, it's not exactly the legacy that I'm looking for. It's fine. It's great. But really, it's also a monetary legacy. It's having something available for my kids and all the way down the line that to always remember who I am. It's important to me. So $350 million, just not enough. I need a billion. And that's really interesting, though. Can I ask, why is that so important to you? I, I don't know. It's a fairly newer type of thing because growing up, I w- I've always been an entrepreneur my entire life. But one thing I did know it, it, growing up is just about get money. But without having a why behind that get money scheme, so to speak, and I don't mean scheme in a bad way, scheme in terms of what you want to see happen, it just there needs to be a why behind it. If you don't have a why that's big enough to push you, it can be extremely difficult to get to where you want to go. So I decided that I wanted to have a why for my kid, my son. I love my son very much. He's a good kid. And I wanted 
to find a way to, to help him get to a place where he can still eventually take over this business one day and maybe even have his kids take over this business one day and keep on growing it from there. And I love doing these types of interviews, these types of talks, because one day his kids will be operating in our business and they're going to watch a video of their great grandfather talking about real estate and talking about that guy or girl that's going to be running the real estate portfolio at that point too. How cool is that? Mm -hmm. Pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So everything that we do is really based around that. It's about legacy. It really is important to me. This is one of those things you're about to get me on my soapbox because I am convinced that as humans, we will typically react only to pain. We will only react out of some sort of pain. And to the only other thing that I've been able to identify is that if you're able to identify and define your why to the level that you're talking about, that's the only thing that can pull you forward in those, in those situations. So did you go through some sort of process? At first, I didn't. It took a while. It took a while. I went through a lot of hard lessons. I did it the hard way. If there's a hard way to do something, I'm the one that found it. <laughs> I'm the one that did it. And, but you're absolutely right. There's, I did a, so there's a vision board. The vision board will, will pull you forward. Okay. But the anti-vision board is what's, is what you don't want to see happen. So there's an experiment that was done with, with, with a mouse. They put a mouse in a tube. Okay. They put a mouse in this tube. So this mouse is the center of a tube and they put, and they, they tied his tail to a coil. So he's right at the end of the tube. So he's facing towards the front of the tube and they put, so like the mouse tried to pull its way out, but it couldn't really pull, right? But they put a whiff of cheese at the front and all of a sudden that mouse starts pulling. So it's pulling harder, right? It's just pulling on it. So it's because there's a reward at the front, right? But then you know what they did? They ended up putting the whiff of a cat behind the, the, the tube and the cheese at the front of the tube, right? That mouse pulled so freaking hard. It didn't break free, obviously. Right? And again, it wasn't like a cruel experiment to feed a mouse to a cat, but rather it was more like we're often pulled by things that we want to see happen, but you also have what's behind you that's coming to chase you and how are you going to get away from it? So part of what we have right now, or what I have a vision board that tells me like, here's what I want to see happen in my life. Here's what will happen in my life. Here's what I'm targeting. I have an anti-vision board. I use red paper. And I put all the awful things and bad things that have happened or could happen if I don't execute properly. That board is smaller because it's behind me, but it's coming to get me. I think about it. Someone's coming to get me all the time. I see the anti-vision, right? And it keeps you motivated. It keeps you moving. It keeps you moving forward. And that's what I'm looking to do is move forward all the time. Making, I'm running because I know that no matter what, there's a coil trying to pull me back and I got to keep going. I got to keep going ahead. And the, the whole vision board concept I heard of years ago in a book, I think it might've been The Secret or something like that. I remember The Secret came out, what, 15 years ago or something like that. That whole concept, it sounds all foo and crazy and you know stupid. It's all real. That's real stuff. Once you visualize it and you inter- internalize it, you have to make it happen in that way. That's how it happens. And that's one of the biggest, it's a secret, so to speak. All the best athletes do it. The best, the best entrepreneurs do this. They visualize it, they see it happen, and then they make it happen. There's no other way to see that. They have to visualize it first. They have to see it. And that's whole concept happened back then. I wasn't using 
the tool properly until re- more recently, about five or six years ago. But that's when it all started. That's when I started really exploring self-development, really building myself up because up until that point, I was still uh, to a high degree in the matrix. I was still doing the 40 hour work week, two weeks vacation, being miserable. I'm not saying being in the matrix is miserable. I'm not saying that working for a a 40 hour a week company is miserable. It it is for me because I was born an entrepreneur. It's just not my bag. I do what I do what I do now. I do it in excellence because I'm really good at what I do. And that's okay. Not everybody can do it. Not everybody wants to do it. Not everybody wants to deal with the stuff that, that I deal with. And it's okay too. It's perfectly fine. My team and I are really good at what we do. We run a lot of assets. We develop a lot of stuff. And uh, yeah, you take a certain temperament to do that. And that's okay. I'm curious. You're the first person that I've ever talked to talking about the negative vision board. Uh, I'm thinking that everybody goes through that. And there's people right now who are thinking this is a bunch of nonsense. What would you say to them? What was the turning point that made your mindset going, maybe there's something behind this and I should give it a shot? I'll tell you, it's so funny. It's usually the... It's, it's usually the haters that think it's poo, usually, right? The people that aren't there yet, the people that, are, that, that, don't, that can't imagine how much work is required to make it happen. Like I'll see posts on Facebook about, so, some, so they'll talk about someone else. Oh, just another Tony Robbins scammer, blah, blah, blah. It's, you know what? I, I'm not, a, it isn't like I'm a big Tony Robbins fan or whatever, fanatic or whatnot, but he's achieved some great success. It's helped a lot of people. I'm not mad at him. Good for him. He's made a lot of money doing what he does because he does it very well. He's helped a lot of people in the process. How is that a scam? Is it any more of a scam than, say, Harvard educating a bunch of people? They made a lot of money. Is that a scam too? That's it's, it's strange how that works, right? That whole, I think it's, it sounds foo when in the methodology that it's delivered, right? In the delivery, when you first hear it. And it sounds so ethereal, so kooky. Everything is all connected and we're all like, we're all really connected. And it sounds crazy. It really does. I'm not going to go that far and say that. <laughs> However, I will say that there was a time about five years ago, I took a picture of a Corvette. I totally forgot I even took this picture. They're sitting in my film role and what five years later, I ended up buying that car. Not that same car. The one I ended up buying was better than that car, actually. But it was that same model, same year, same everything. And it's just funny how I I manifested it in your life. And part of it has to do with really visualizing it, putting it at the center of your mind and manifesting it. That's part of it. But the second part of it is your reticular activating system. Okay. The reticular activating system, everyone has one. It's in your, it's in your, it's in your mind. Right. And like, I'll put it this way. Have you ever seen like a car or some article, something that you really wanted and you just happened to discover it? And then you, you, now you say, I, I, can, I really want that car. I really want that. And next thing you know, you start seeing that car everywhere. Has that ever happened to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah. It That's usually happens like, as soon as you buy a car. Then you already you buy the car. Yes. As soon as you buy the car, start seeing the car everywhere. That's the reticular activating system. That's a real thing. Everyone has it in their brain. And cool thing about it is that can be programmed. You can program that thing. Okay. If you're looking for opportunities, if I'm looking for large multifamily deals all the time, your eyes 
because keep in mind, your, your eyes are open and you're looking around and there's a whole lot of information. Your mind can only focus on certain things. But if, it's, if you're programming, I think, to look for deals, look for assets, look for people, that's what your brain is going to start looking for subconsciously. It sounds absolutely wacky. It works. It really does, right? And the way you program it is by positive visualization, by writing it down, writing down what your future looks like today, meaning what it would be like right now. All these things, it's how, as kooky as it sounds, I did it. That's how I did it. It's how I was able to do all this. I wish I could say there was some sort of magic book. I read one magic book and all of a sudden it just happened. No, it never works that way. And you ask anybody from Warren Buffett to any entrepreneurs, chances are they have a vision board. They do some sort of positive manifestation. They have to. They all do it. They all do it. I discovered it by accident years ago. As I said, after the secret there is for one of the first things. And I, on my one vision board, I had a call, like at the time I was doing, I was doing different types of things. I had a call center, I had a car, I had all these different things. And all those things I had on that vision board actually happened. So it's a, it is a real thing. It is a real thing. It does work. It just, it, it, part of it is you can't just put it on the vision board, expect it to just automatically happen. You have to really put effort into it, right? Mm-hmm. But by programming the reticular activating system, it really is an amazing tool that we all have It's that people haven't even heard of before. But you should definitely look it up. I'm going to send everybody to your website for another reason here at this point, uh, bulletproofcashflow.com. And you can see everything that you are currently investing in. And we were chatting a little bit about that before we hit record here. And uh, it sounds, it looks like you're being very diversified in your investment portfolio. Can you talk to a little bit what led you to some of the choices you've made? Sure. We technically have three lines of business that we focus on. The first, the one we started in was in multifamily. So we acquired B and C type of assets. Okay. And I only focus on one market at a time. I'm one one of those guys that will focus on, for instance, right now it's Cleveland, Ohio. At the time when we moved into this market, I saw that on a cost per door basis versus the rent, it made total sense to be in this market. It still hadn't fully recovered from the 2008 crash. So as opposed to say, people are still going into Texas and Florida back then, not nearly as what they were doing today, but they're still moving into that direction. Uh, but Cleveland was still like fairly on the upswing. So we moved in, we started really buying a lot of these assets. We have about 1,600 units right now. But I saw about, 24 months ago, something like that, 20 months ago, that the, the market started getting frothy. The cost per door versus rents just stopped making sense to me. Now, at that point, we started doing development. We started doing adaptive reuse projects and ground up. So we already started exploring that line of business towards the tail end of the multifamily buying time. Like I, I'm not really acquiring anything right now. I'm waiting it out at this point. Right now's the time to wait. It's not this. This doesn't make sense to acquire for me anyway. B and C type of assets right now. Now's the time to start preparing for what's coming. But we started focusing on development. So we do ground up. We do adaptive reuse of historical assets. I love doing historical assets. I mentioned the Rockefeller is one of them. We also have uh, medical buildings in very nice areas that we're also uh, renovating as well. Uh, ground up deals as well too. Again, here in Cleveland, and we're trying to find deals where there's a lot of juice that make investors a great return, 
and with an opportunity zone component. I love the tax abatement. I love doing those types of deals too, right? Makes total sense. And you get, a, again, the, the, the deals I do are no-brainer deals. They're not like high-risk deals. I don't do those high-risk deals. I won't build 300 units in the middle of nowhere. I just don't do those deals. Mm-hmm. So we have the development business, and then we have the single-tenant net lease deals. So Dollar General, Dollar Tree, Walgreens, you have animal hospitals, anything with a corporate guarantee that's investor investment grade tenants, that's what we're doing. We're doing those types of deals. Okay. So we have a blind pool fund that my partners and I go and we go and raise money for, and then we go deploy that money to go and acquire these types of assets in a blind pool. The cool thing about that business is that it is a monthly return, very steady. It's a risk-adjusted return too, right? So it's a monthly risk-adjusted return. So it's not like crazy money like in a development deal, nor is it on a quarterly schedule like on a multifamily. This is a a monthly steady return, right? And some people like that. Some people are okay with getting a monthly steady return. They know that in the third of every month or whatever, uh, the money shows up in their account like clockwork. People like to see that. So we, we also offer that to our investment community. So to our investors, we have these three very unique lines of real estate. Each serves a different purpose. Each has a different risk level. And, but the investors win in all three of these cases because they have very different return profiles. Yeah, that's what we did. Right now, it's, right now it's just, we're, we're doing a lot of development, a lot of net lease. We're like waiting by the sidelines right now for multifamily to really calm down a little bit and uh, before we jump back in. But yes, that's what we're doing. We hinted at the fact that there's some something happening right now, especially regarding the economy. What do you see or what are you experiencing that makes you apprehensive of getting into multifamily right now? There's something that it's something that I call the Grant Cardone effect, right? Uh, and I'm sure you know who Grant Cardone is, right? Mm-hmm. The social media guy, right? 10X. 10X. There we go, right? It was a 10X, right? He's a very interesting guy, right? I, and I learned a lot from him. I really did. There was a time though when he was saying, it doesn't matter how much money you pay for these deals, just hurry up and buy it. And I heard, he said that numerous times. And I'm like, oh my God, that's going to be a disaster. That's not going to end well for many people out there (laughs) because there is a way to screw up a deal. There is a way to overpay for it. And numerous people have done it. I've seen them do it. And that's what's happened right now. The, the, The pricing for some of this stuff just doesn't make any sense. Just doesn't make any sense to me. And, and if I can't make sense of it, I won't buy the deal. Like I just won't do it. I'm not going to risk my money, my sanity, nor am I going to risk my investors money and uh, on a deal. I just won't work. I just won't do it. I don't have to do it. Even the way that we structure our deals uh, on the multifamily side are in direct alignment with their investors too. Right? So it isn't like we're incentivized to hurry up and get the deal closed so we can get a big pay, paycheck. Some people do that way. I'm not mad at them. They do whatever they want, right? Not on me. All I'm saying is that I want to do good deals that make total sense and it keeps the investors happy because the last thing I want to do is deal with a whole bunch of garbage and nonsense at this stage of the game. I just don't want to do that. I'd rather get into good deals that are very solid and make total sense. It's so that Warren Buffett does it. Sam Zell does that as well. It's got, it makes sense, right? He doesn't want to deal with the, the overpaying for stuff. Warren Buffett's a value investor. It makes total sense to me. That's what we do. We do the same thing. Same thing. Outside of don't just buy anything that's on the market, are there some red flags that you would probably, you've seen people 
jump head first in and you would have advised against them? What are some of the things people should be looking out for right. right now? So we have a coaching program that helps guide them through this stuff. So a lot of, there's, there's a lot of people out there that, that don't know what they're doing. And, and, and I'm, I'm trying to be as respectful as I can. They'll get into a deal, that they, but they don't really understand what it is they're buying. Like for instance, they'll go into a tertiary market. Most people don't know what a tertiary market is, right? But it's a market that has a, a certain level of, of income, certain level of, of uh, people living there, and they'll pay top dollar per unit in a tertiary market. And the rents are even lower. So I've seen this happen several times. And they'll ask me, they'll call me up and ask me for help. I'm like, it's too late for me to help you. I would have told you, I would have advised you not to buy the deal in the first place. This is not a good deal. It's when they end up having to walk away from all kinds of burners money that went hard. It's a shame when that happens. I've seen that. I've seen cases where I remember a case where a gentleman, he was getting into his first deal. He wanted me to go check out his first deal with him. And the seller was a bit of a nutcase. He shows up there with a gun. He has to go, and it was time to collect rents. So he was collecting his rents with a gun strapped to his side. So mm-hmm. visible right there, right? So that's, only, that's how he has to collect his rents is with his gun handy, which obviously not a good idea, right? If you have to go, if you have to be mm-hmm. strapped to go collect rents, it's probably not a good idea. Right? And number one, number two, you never go, and coll- if you have to be strapped, you never collect rents in person. It's all done electronically. That's how you collect rents the proper way. It's also tracked, mm-hmm. whatever. But so there's a whole lot of wrong ways to do deals. Okay. And I, I would advise these folks. And of course they would listen to me and they'd either join the programs that we have or whatever. Right? But it's, it's not, again, I'm not here to make fun of people or berate some of the choices that they make, but rather it's a case of acquiring the, the there's certain rules when it comes to buying the stuff. And those rules have never changed, okay? You have to pay the right price, acquire the right deals, and make sure that the deal cash flows, right? There's certain markets you can buy for appreciation. There's New York, California. The rent, the pricing just keeps going up and makes no sense. Mm-hmm. You don't buy in those markets. That's not for you. There's certain people, there's certain groups that, that they do very well in those, de- in, in those types of markets. You let them do it. For the most part, it's cash flow. You always invest for cash flow. There's a reason why our show is called Bulletproof Cash Flow, not Bulletproof Appreciation, because appreciation is never bulletproof. Makes mm-hmm. sense. That's why we call it Bulletproof Cash Flow. Because cash flow, if you're running the asset properly and you get your expenses in control and your income is, is on the rise, you're always going to get some money out of it. And that's what we're looking for. That's what we're targeting. With appreciation, you can never count on it. If there's a, a lull in the economy like there is right now, the, the valuation goes down. And then how do you monetize that valuation? How do you do it? Mm-hmm. Who's going to lend you the money to, to, to pull out any equity in a time like this, right? It becomes extremely difficult. So you have to really understand how to do that. And again, the fundamentals of this business have not changed in a very long time. So I just stick to the fundamentals. I stick to what the masters have done. I learned from them on how to do deals, how to acquire the right assets. That's how you do it. That's the, in my opinion, that's how you do it. I'm not saying I'm the guy that has all the answers, but it makes sense to me, right? Earlier, you were talking about how, where you started off and you mentioned that you have made a number of mistakes along the way, or you learned those lessons the hard way. Can you talk to some of those bigger lessons? What were some of the more painful, but most re- 
beneficial lessons you learned along the way? Sure. Before I did real estate, I was, I used to work in corporate a long time ago and I used to run like large enterprise IT. So large IT groups. And we did, uh, we built a lot of software, networking systems, things like that. And I was one of these guys that no matter what, I always wanted to do something on my own. So I would oftentimes take on, take on partners to help build out certain things that we're working on. One valuable lesson that I still carry with me this very day is watch out who you partner with. Watch out who you partner with, right? If the partnership is not aligned, if the individual can't even show up on time for a meeting that you guys set and he said or she said they're going to show up on time and they don't, they're an hour late every single time without some valid excuse, chances are it's probably not going to be a good fit. It's going to probably end in ruin, right? It's just an indicator. Mm -hmm. And you're trying to find an indicator because here's the thing. Like I said before earlier about our, the, I'm looking to leave a legacy, right? And the reason why is because I know that our time on this planet is finite. We're not going to be here forever. And I think about death a lot, right? <laughs> so I know that I want to try to maximize my time here as much as I can and not waste it doing or hanging around people that are toxic or just not into doing the same thing that you're into, right? Like, why do it? Same thing goes with the partnership. Partnerships, I can't say that I did all this myself. I would never say that. I had, I had great friends and great partners that are super, super great people, right? And I, I bring them deals. I bring them value. And they do the same for me. It's a true partnership. It's a true friendship. And that's what we try to build. That's all, that's all I build. If I have toxic people around me, I get them out of my life as quickly as possible. Sounds mean, but that's how it is. And uh, if you take on, a, if you're thinking about taking on a potential partner, pay very close attention to what they're doing and how they act, what they, how they react, what they say, how they say it. How important is it to them that they show up on time or don't show up on time? How important is it? Do you guys have the same goals in mind? Do I get to the same destination or is it totally way off? Because if it's way off, you're going to have a hard time with that person, right? If they're not totally transparent with you, not to tell you the deepest, darkest secrets or anything else like that, and that's what I'm suggesting, but I am suggesting that if they're always like playing hide the ball and not being totally honest with you, it's not going to end. It's not a good foundation to build a good, strong relationship, good, strong partnership. Think of, again, Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger. These guys, Warren Buffett's 93, Charlie Munger's 99 years old. These guys have been partners for decades, literally decades, right? They built something really special together. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for stuff like that. These guys got billionaires together. That's cool. That's cool right there because they were on alignment on their best of friends. So it's, there's a lot of examples that are all around you all the time and partnerships. That's the secret to building this business. And if you have a bad partner on your hands, get rid of them. Get rid of them. Pay the money. Get out. Go do it with someone else or do it alone before you take on a partner. That's a very good, good lesson. I've mentioned more than once that if you're any kind of partnership you get into, you either start off with an awkward conversation or it will end with an awkward conversation. So it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, that's, it's, that's, that's, that's a sound right. lesson you just gave. Yeah. So I mean, just remind everybody. And I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, I'm very pleased that those are lessons I learned early on. And now I have great partners. I work with great people. I work with these 
I can't even stress enough how awesome these people are that, that, that I spend my time with. It's, yeah, it's, for, fortunately, I learned these lessons early on and I didn't have, I wasn't listening to podcasts or shows or whatever that were telling me this, right? I didn't have the mentors either at the time. Hopefully someone hears this and they say they incorporate it into their life or at least listen to this, right? Because it, it is a real big part. Humans, we are social creatures and we do need, we do need to work with others to achieve our goals. And we, it's important that we also help others achieve theirs. That's probably the second part of the partnership is the reason why our, our partnerships are so successful is because I do prioritize the partnership as something very important to me, right? So I try to give as much as I can to the partnership, as much as I can try to help the partnership. I help my partners on deals that I have nothing to do with. I will help them anyway. I'll reach out to them and say, hey, what do you need? And, I'll, and if it's, it's telling tell me what a problem he's having on some other deal that I have nothing to do with, I will help him on the deal anyway, because that's what partners do. That's what friends do. It's important yeah. that you do that. And just go that extra mile. Do it. it, it it's, it's totally worth it for the partnership. That's why you do it. That's why you do it. Bring, keep bringing value for as long as you can. Yeah, it, it's amazing. It goes to the concept of a couple things. We've definitely have learned that lesson as well. The concept of treating the other investors in your market as competition typically doesn't work as well as if you see them as partnerships and ways to help each other. I've heard the, this story told multiple times, the concept of if you ever played that, that board game cash flow, Robert Kiyosaki or whatever, the rich dad, poor dad guy, right? Yeah. He had that cash flow game. And if you treated everybody around the table as competition, you could play that game for quite a while. But if you all work coll collaboratively as partners around the table, the game actually goes much quicker and everybody becomes successful. It's very different than Monopoly though, right? In Monopoly, you have to try to get the other guy out of the deal or off the board because that's how you win, right. right? This is a little bit of history. Monopoly is actually designed by socialists and because they thought that the capitalism was evil, if you can believe that, right? Mm -hmm. So it is in line with that part of the game, even though it's doing socialism and communism never worked anywhere, but capitalism has. So mm -hmm. I don't want to get all political. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> I think it's pretty fair to say that I don't know if there's a lot of socialists listening to a real estate investing podcast. If they do, then you're going to get a lot of hate. So just to remind everybody, bulletproofcashflow.com. Head over and see what Augustin, Augustino and his team are working on. Your strategy and your particular mindset, I think, is relatively ref fresh and refreshing. I hate to say that, but I've talked to quite a few people who have who share the same kind of Grant Cardone kind of thoughts when it comes to acquisitions. In fact, I know uh, some guys who will acquire just for the sake of acquiring and hoping that eventually things will work out. It's, and that hasn't ever really made sense to me, and the numbers don't add up. But, but before I let you go, I'm hoping, and I, I didn't warn you about this, but I do have a list of rapid-fire questions we typically end the show with. Okay. Okay. So I hope they sent those to you ahead of time, but if not, this could be interesting. It'll probably be interesting because I've not seen it. <laughs> Here's your chance to bust a real estate investing myth. All right. 
this kind of originates from when I was a kid and those late night programs promising every, anything and everything. You get into real estate investing, no money down, and it's just mailbox money. So do you have a myth you'd like to bust today? Oh, a myth. oh that, that was a myth. So I, I would say that, that this is easy. Real estate is easy. Uh, yeah, the gurus are still on Facebook saying how easy it is. And I'll tell you, in our course, in our coursework, we, when I actually talk to the student, potential student, when they come on and I meet them for the first time, I outright tell them, this is going to be hard. This is not going to be easy. None of, if it were easy, everybody would be doing it. And just for the record, all those guys in the 70s from Carlton Sheets to uh, Dave Lindahl, all these guys, the OGs of this space, they were 100% mm -hmm. right. You could do all those things that they talked about. The hardest thing is actually doing it. That's the toughest mm -hmm. part. It's, not, it's never a shortage of information. It's a shortage of action to use the information. That's where the shortage really begins, right? Yeah, that's what I would say. That this is easy. The gurus are not going to tell you it's easy. I, I tell everybody, this is just difficult stuff. It's not easy, but it's totally worth it. It's 100% mm -hmm. worth it. Yeah. This is actually where we could probably use Grant Cardone's 10x rule. Whatever you think the amount of work it's going to be, 10x it. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. It's never as easy as it seems. And, and again, I'm not a hater of Grant Cardone. I think he's done a lot to help to lift a lot of folks and change a lot of minds. And But that's one thing that he's 100% right on. They got to 10x everything in terms of the amount of effort required because it's never as easy as it seems. Never is. Yeah. So what book would you recommend or what are you reading right now? I would recommend On the Shortness of Life by Seneca. So this, I don't know if you're into stoicism at all, but I discovered that book by mistake. I think I heard it on some random podcast with Ty Lopez or something, right? And I started listening to that book. So that's where I got this whole, like the foundation of you only have so much time left on this planet. That's where it all comes from, is from that book. When I listen to that book, anybody close to it, by the way, it's free on YouTube. Go ahead and find it on the shortness of life, Seneca. There's different versions of it. The version I don't recommend has the guy that reads it in like old English, super, super slow to push you to sleep. Don't listen to that one. Find another version. But it's also very short. It's a short listen. That will change your mind to thinking like you have an infinite amount of time. Us humans seem to think that we can, we're going to be on this planet forever until one day you look in the mirror you're going to see an old man staring back at you, an old lady staring back at you. And you're like, where did the time go? One day that will happen to you. It'll happen to everybody. And I, I don't want to live my life like that. I know that um, I'm running out of time. I think about it every single day. And I know I just got to hurry it up and make it happen as fast as I can. What is one tool you can't live without, whether it's personal or business? Oh, boy. Man, I hate to admit it. My freaking phone. Shit, I hate saying that. It's funny that everybody stares at their phone all the time, right? But it's the, the phone has become such a dependency because now it's like I spend most of my day talking to people, right? I think about the phone as a device where it is literally programmed to be in use all the time by getting humans to release chemicals in our brain and the reward center so we keep on using the device, especially social mm -hmm. media. You have to keep that in check. That's the hardest part. But communication is key in this business. So that's you got to have a phone to do it. If you could go back in time and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would it be? Wow. I would have, I would have told them 
to stick to the engineering route, but as soon as you're done, go into real estate immediately. Don't skip corporate, just skip corporate. And the reason why I say that is because I, I don't have, I wouldn't say I have a, a super high regard for a, a lot of education. However, what I don't know is if I would not have completed my undergrad and two master's degrees, would I be the same guy I am talking to you today? I just don't know. I have no idea. Uh, to the same effect, would I be, it would still be the same guy if I hadn't worked in corporate and fought my way to the C-suite? The would I still be the same guy? I don't know. But I do know that I should have gotten to this a whole lot sooner. That I do know. I should have done this a whole lot sooner. Should I have done it in my 30s? Probably would have been better if I would have done that instead of waiting to my 40s to do it. Save 10 years. So now I got to play catch up. That's what I'm doing now. Okay, now you have 60 seconds. You're going to give everybody a tip or trick that they can implement in their business today to have an impact. What would it be? For 60 seconds, huh? Okay. Choose your partner wisely. When, you, when a broker reaches out to you, always call them back with feedback. Always provide feedback. And the last and final thing I would say is that no matter what, never be an asshole. Meaning, ask someone for advice and not follow up with them and not actually provide value to the other person because that is where your deals are made. If you provide, if you lead with value first to the other person you're talking to, that is how you build friendships and partnerships that'll last a lifetime. Don't be an asshole. I like that term. Is there a question or concept you wish we would have covered here today? I don't think so. But if anybody has any questions, by all means, they can hit me up. Bulletproofcashflow.com. Bulletproofcashflow.com. That is going to be a clickable link in the show notes. If you found some value in today's episode, do us a favor, share it with one of your investor friends. I really appreciate your time. This was a great interview. Thank you so much. If you learned at least one actionable step to incorporate into your real estate investing, if so, please consider returning some of that value by leaving a positive review, subscribing to our YouTube channel, or joining our growing network on Facebook and Twitter. You can find links to all of our social media accounts in the show notes. See you next time.